Living and Loving at Home in Scary Times. Well, as you can tell, it's a little bit different topic this week because of what's going on. I got in my office with me, my wife, Joanne, to join me for this episode of 48 Days Radio. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know, we're going to be taking care of business. I still love that opening song, but business is a little different these days, as you know. So today, I'm going to be talking about how to maintain peace in your home. And I don't know of a better expert on that than my wife, Joanne. So she's here to help us talk about this topic. Welcome, babe. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I always enjoy it. Well, you know, people always respond that they enjoy it as well. I ought to do it more often. And we're going to talk about today a particular topic. I titled Living and Loving at Home in Scary Times. But you don't want to talk about some of the questions about, you know, are you just in a survival mode or is this a time for reinvention? Is it possible to have a peaceful home right now? That's your specialty, how to have a peaceful home. Uh, Do you really want to go back to normal? And then we're going to talk about maybe the fear that you're feeling right now is really tuition for the learning that you're getting. So we're going to talk about that. Now we've got a quotation. The quotation we're going to use comes right out of your book, Creating a Haven of Peace. You want to share what came to mind immediately when I said, we need kind of a theme quotation for today. And you said, oh yeah, this is it. Oh, Barbara Bush had an an amazing quotation that she gave years ago. And uh, I've used it often and it is in my book because I feel like it's such an important uh, uh, attitude, uh, an important thing that we need to grasp right now. She said, you must read to your children and you must hug your children and you must love your children. Your success as a family, our success as a society depends not on what happens in the White House, but what happens in your house. And I think that is so important to remember right now. Our kids are watching us. Our spouse is watching us. You know, we are a billboard for whatever attitude we display right now. Boy, that is so true. You know, it's funny how uh, things are timeless. Success principles are, you know, just good, valid principles seem to be timeless like that. You know, Barbara Bush shared that at a commencement address back in 1990. Mm -hmm. So here we are, what, 30 years later, and it seems like it's written for today. Yes, your success is not dependent on what happens in the White House, but what happens in your house. And right now, you know, it's a really challenging time. You were hearing some really unfortunate information about an increase in domestic violence. People sometimes don't function real well when they have to be together. That ought to be the safest place in the world. And yet for some people, it's not. Yeah. And that's and sad. I, I heard recently that domestic abuse and domestic violence is up 55%, which is unbelievable it's disturbing extremely disturbing and there that doesn't have to be the case right now could be a time of real renewal and re-engagement in our families and in our homes and i think that we've got to really look at 
what is our goal here? What is important? What can we control and what can we let go of because and not listen to like the news and all of the media hype right now about what's going on? What can we do with this time being together? Well, we've got some resources for you today. We're going to give you some links to that. We've got a piece that Joanne has in her book, Creating a Haven of Peace. We got a link to that. It's going to be a it's a beautiful overview of how to create peace in your house using all the senses. So the link to that is 48days.com slash peace. Just real easy. 48days.com slash peace peace. You can go there and get that. Also going to link to some other things. There's a piece that was written back, golly, back when 9-11 happened, way back then, where Dan Sullivan wrote a piece, Dan Sullivan being the CEO of Strategic Coach, a program I'm involved in, but it's the Scary Times Success Manual. Well, that was downloaded about two and two and a half million times back then. And then in the economic crunch in 2008, 2009, it was downloaded over 5 million times again. And it seems like it was written a week ago for exactly today. So we'll give you a link to that as well. But Joanne and I are going to go through like six different ways that you can really continue living and loving well during this time. And then we'll um, share those resources with you. Now, anytime that we have stress. You know, it can work for us or against us. And if we just try to, you know, sometimes we hear about people who just want to have a stress-free life. And a stress is a natural part of life and it really can work for us. It prompts us to see things differently, to come up with new solutions. The goal is not to live a stress-free life. And those people who pretend to want to get to that point are probably just pushing it down where it's going to show up in some other some other time. Yeah, it'll come out eventually. And often in a marriage, it comes out in big bursts of violence, or words that are said that can't be taken back. And those are things we've got to watch right now with all of the being at home together, the togetherness that we're having to experience. There are ways to be kind rather than right, which is one of our family mottos and ways to have peace in your home and harmony in your home that we'll talk about some today. Yeah, and we've been through times before, you know, one of the things about um, being a, a little older, perhaps, is a lot that, older, <laughs> is that we have some history to look back on. There have been multiple times where we've been through not only national and worldwide crises, pandemics, but also things in our own life. So we're not strangers to challenging times, stressful times. And so we've developed some patterns in our own home for dealing with those. And you know, the interesting thing that comes to mind in you saying that, Dan, is that so often we have heard through the years that people were watching us. People were listening to how we were handling the situations that we came up against. You being a serial entrepreneur meant that our income was never stable. Well, maybe I should say rarely stable. And there were lots of ups and downs and lots of things that we that created some very, very difficult, stressful times for us. No, just exciting. No, it was stressful. (laughs) (laughs) It may have been exciting for you, but it wasn't for me. But I remember so often people saying, we were watching how you were responding and how your family stayed together. This is something that is a valid point for everybody right now. People are watching you. 
Your children are watching you as parents. Your spouse is watching how you're handling this. Your your extended family members and your friends are watching you. And that's not to say you try to be unauthentic, but it means how are you going to handle the stress on a day-to-day basis? Because whether you like it or not, when you step out of bed in the morning, you have a choice in how you're going to handle your day. Yep. And there've been times, you know, we went through a really big financial mess a few years ago, quite a few years ago now. And in that period of time, yeah, we knew people were watching us, but also our kids were. But the interesting thing is, mm-hmm. in as much as, you know, we were concerned about keeping the lights on and any food under the table, it, it was that bad. I mean, every, everything was taken away from us, cars, house, everything. But our kids don't remember that as being a really horrendous time because there was always peace in our home. And we want to talk about some of the things that we did then in our home during that period of time. And that wasn't a couple months. That was uh, was not even a couple years. It was a very long period of time. But we continued to have peace, joy, happiness, a lot of fun in our home. We had game nights that attracted not only our kids, but neighborhood kids that wanted to be part of it. So we're going to share some of those things that we did. Now, this this is a time where we, we learn to do things differently. I mean, that's something that we have to be I think it's in that sense, it is exciting because it's not just a time where we think, how can we get back to the way things were? But no, how can we see things differently? How can we do things differently? You know, there's a, a something that happened just here in our community just or it was just last week. Joe Diffie, the country music singer, died. Well, this is a a time where you can't even have a normal funeral. That's right. You can't have a bunch of people come together. And so what are you going to do? Well, I love what the neighborhood did. Now, Joe had some pretty famous songs out there like Pick Up Man and John Deere Green. You can go check those out. Joe Diffie, the country music singer. But the community where he lived, Nolensville, close to us here, they put together a procession that was over a mile long. And it was farmers driving their John Deere tractors and driving their pickup trucks. And why weren't you in that? <laughs> you got a John Deere. You don't have a pickup, but you got a John Deere well, that you really love. I do. And and so the community just drove by his house. So his wife and kids were there, and they just viewed this procession. Now, to me, I mean, how much cooler is that in terms of really honoring a person with a unique part of his personality than to just show up at a boring, drab funeral home you know, and sit there for 30 minutes. Now they made a procession of John Deere tractors and pickup trucks. I think that's pretty amazing. And it shows the creativity that can come out of times like this. When we are in times where we we have, a, have to create a new normal, there are ways to bring sunshine and light into your life and exciting things that could happen to you uh, during these downtimes. I have a, a dear friend, Patsy Claremont, who right now is making bright spots in her home. We've had a lot of dreary days here in Tennessee recently, a lot of rain and stormy weather and cloudy skies. And I talk to a lot of people who are a little bit depressed and, and having some hard times getting through these dreary days. Now, it's not like that today. It is gorgeous out, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But what Patsy's doing in her home is putting bright spots throughout her house, She's putting little twinkly lights behind books, and she's putting uh, splashes of color, bright pillows, and and things all over the house to make it brighter. And she's 
putting little inspirational sayings at various places where people can look and see and be inspired. And I think there, this is a time to get creative about what are you going to do with the time that you have right now? Now, one of the things that I put up in our family messaging yesterday, which is very active right now and always, but put up a song, a country music song there, and it's uh, Willie Nelson and his sons, Lucas and Micah, and the title of the song is Turn Off the News and Build a Garden. And it, it again, the, it's funny, that song was not written just in the last two weeks. It's been out there for a significant period of time. It wasn't written for this time, but the message is so relevant. Turn off the news and build a garden. You know, it It reminds me of old books. I, I go back at least once a year and read uh, some of my favorite books, Gift from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh. That was written decades ago. And every time I sit down, it's like, wow, this applies right now. And we've gone through so many, many different things in our culture through the years where we felt like, wow, is the world coming to an end? What's going on here? This is not new. We just have to learn how to, uh, to navigate and do it gracefully. Now, some of the things that uh, we're seeing people do, even our own, our own kids who grew up in our household where we played a lot of games, we did a lot of creative things and created challenges for them. But um, our son, Jared, and his wife, Ilea, and their three kids who live in a condo in San Diego. So they're up trapped in this condo where they have to stay in there and they're doing a great job of self-isolation, but they have a deck. And on their deck, they've got boxes they've created and they're growing garden things. So their kids are learning about gardening right now. So it is, turn off the news and plant a garden. But they're using this time where they're not supposed to be going out even to the grocery store. They're growing a lot of things. They're using as herbs in their own cooking. Our son, Kevin, and his family are taking hikes around the mountains that they live in, in, in uh, Colorado. They're taking hikes together as a family. They're sunbathing on the porch, even though they may have snow around them. The sun is so hot there when it's shining that they can lie out on the porch together and just uh, enjoy the sunshine and, and get a few good vitamins from the natural sun. And they're doing a lot of game playing and things together as a family. I got a video the other day from them where the kids, now they live in a big house because Kevin has a lot of kids. And they were skate skating on rollerblades, roller blades, yeah. roller blades. Yeah. And even I saw one of the kids on a um, uh, uh, skateboard, skateboard, uh-huh. I guess it was, going through round and round in on the the floors in their house because it wasn't it, there was so much snow outside so they were doing this in the house you know this is not a normal time so let's do some abnormal things i thought it was kind of fun well our daughter ashley and nathan and their three girls they've created a a house monopoly game where their girls have jobs they can do during the day they earn money for those. They're using Monopoly play money. They're using Monopoly yeah. play money, yeah. And then they have to pay rent. They have to pay like $25 a day for room and board in their own house. What and- I thought was really <laughs> awesome about this is the other day when uh, we were we FaceTime with them quite often, 
and we were FaceTiming with them, but it was just the two parents, Ashley and Nathan, because the girls were having a powwow outside, and Clara was talking with her two younger sisters about how they could earn more money because she's earning the bulk of the money right now, and her paying her rent is no problem at all, and the other two were struggling. So they were having a family meeting, and I thought, oh my gosh, these kids are... Uh, what, almost 13 and uh, almost 10 and... 12, 9, and 7. Yeah, yeah, 12, 9, and 7. And they are doing things that we as adults should be doing. Well, and they're figuring out they're how to, figuring how to out make life. things work. Yes. And, they, and they've created this family game during this period of time that are is teaching them principles, real-life principles, business principles, they'll carry with them for the rest of their life. But they'll remember that from this time rather than this horrible, unexpected hardship that we're going through. You, Joanne, with your art classes, you know, you have women who come here to the sanctuary every Tuesday. It's a real highlight of your week. And uh, now you're just totally disconnected with those women, right? No, not at all. <laughs> Actually, I I had to, uh, to text Ashley yesterday to just see if can we use up our Zoom time? Is there is there a limit on how much time we can spend? Because yesterday we spent about a good two and a half hours in the morning doing art on a Zoom call. We had ten ladies on there from all over. And uh, then in the afternoon, I got back on with one of the ladies, and we did another couple of hours. And yeah, the, you, it, this is not a time when you have to be so isolated, you have no social life. I've, I've said to the kids, uh, to our kids in our text, uh, family text message recently, you're having a great time. You're an introvert anyway, sitting over here in your office and, and having all of this time to work and plan and think like you like to do is great for an introvert, introvert. But for me, Lord have mercy, I want to shop, I want to get out and I want to, uh, to visit with my friends person to person and give them hugs and, and uh, have lunch and all of these things that I can't do. But I'm trying to get creative about what can I do. And that's the question right now, what can you do with this time? Well, and you know, you touched on something there, that's pretty important. And that is, this is a time to value personality differences. And that's something that has helped us through the years. It's not just now, but here we are cooped up together. You're a very different personality than I am. Yeah. As a, as an introvert and as a entrepreneur, this is, you know, not, uh, not a very scary time, but here's, here's the thing also about that. I want to expand on it a little bit because entrepreneurs are never out of scary times. I mean, fear and excitement are constant. It's kind of a given with what we do. So, and you know that I tend to get bored with things if they are very predictable. Even if they're very successful, I get bored with things. I'm looking for what can I, what can I break? You know, if it ain't broke, break it is kind of one of my mantras. But I look for ways to stir things up, do things differently. So I'm in this period of time, I'm looking not just to get back to the way things were, but what am I going to learn? In this period of time, when we went through that horrendous experience now almost 30 years ago, but I was building businesses in the way that I thought possible, that being get bigger buildings and more employees. Well, we went through that horrendous experience. Everything was stripped away. I had to take a fresh look at everything we were doing. And I discovered other ways of doing business, ways that I could 
promote information and knowledge and I could expand. I could do something. I, I discovered the power of residual income rather than linear where you do something once and get paid once. I looked at things where I could do something once and get paid a thousand times over. It opened opportunities for me that I never realized were there. And had I not gone through the challenge I don't think I ever would have seen those. So when something like this comes along, I'm thinking, wow, what am I going to learn that's going to open up new opportunities for me now? I think that's a lot of how I personally got through all of the difficult times is what can I learn from this? Lord, what are you trying? What what, what can I show? What, what are, can you show me that will change my life for the better? And, you know, I, this is a little bit, this the times we're going through right now, is a little bit like what you've gone through with clients that you've worked with who've gotten fired from their jobs. They've had a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation about what's going to happen in their lives. And then you'll get a, a, and you work with them for a while and help them see their value and what they bring to the table and what the new norm might look like. And then they come back to you later and say, oh my gosh, if I hadn't gotten fired, this never would have happened. And I look back, uh, it, it's, it's very similar to what we experienced when we lost our house and we had all that happen to us back 30 years ago. All of that led to where you are right now. It's all a piece of the puzzle. And I think we've got to be optimistic about the fact that the new norm on the other side may be a lot brighter than we ever had before. It could be so much better. So let's let's have that be our goal. Again, what is the goal here? Yeah, and one of the things that I, you know, put in my notes as I was just thinking about this is there's a lot of fear right now and there's a lot of pain and people are really having to scramble. You know, we recognize that. But in the same way, when you go to Vanderbilt University or you go to Austin P or any of the colleges around here or anywhere, you pay tuition. You pay tuition because you hope to be learning something that'll benefit you in the future. And in some ways, the loss that people are experiencing now is a form of tuition. But if, and if you see it as such, now if you see it as a time to just hunker down and just scream in agony and pain and hope that this goes away, you may not learn anything. But if you really see it as a time, okay, I'm paying tuition. What am I going to learn when I come out on the other side. Now, one of the things too, and I want to kind of use some examples from your book, Creating a Haven of Peace. And that is that our eyes only see and our ears only hear what our brain is looking for. Now, this has to do with what we call reticular activator. And I've used that example before. If I buy you a red Volvo 850 four-door sedan, and then the next day I'm driving around Franklin and I see five cars that are almost identical. And I'm thinking, did those people all go out yesterday and buy those cars? <laughs> I've thought that at times. <laughs> well, well, no, they were there all the time. They just weren't on my radar. But once we had one, then I had eyes to see. And this is a time that's exactly like that. We're going to see what we expect to see. Now, a few years ago, leading into our 48th anniversary. We knew we were going to do a big celebration. 48 has been kind of a significant number for us. So everybody celebrates 50, 50th anniversary. We were going to celebrate 48. So on our 47th anniversary, I had a beautiful journal that I had purchased. And I wrote in there one thing for that day that I really appreciated about you. 
One thing I was thankful for that I loved about you, I did that every single day for a year. Leading up to our 40th, 40th anniversary, I never told a single soul, not our kids or anybody, during that time because I didn't want there to be external expectation to do it. I wanted it to be totally my motivation, but I did that. Now, here's the point. What do you think I looked for in that period of time? Every day I was looking for something new that I hadn't already identified, something new that I appreciated about you. That's exactly the way that our minds work. If I look for the negatives in you, I could write a book. I could write a book for a year about things that irritate me about you, I suppose. I don't think so. No, I'd probably, I'd run out of things. No, I think you would run out out real quick. (laughs) But if I look for those, that's what I'm going to find. And this is a time when those things can really be accentuated. When either we're finding things that we appreciate about those we live with and love most, or things that are irritating, that are negative, that are going to be expanded as well. You know, I talked to a lady uh, not very long ago who said that she was, she was really upset with her spouse. And she said that she had written down a whole long list of things that were really irritating her (laughs) about him and that she wanted to talk to me about. And I listened and I listened and she wanted my response. And I said, I can't imagine sitting down and writing a list of all the things that I might see that irritate me about you. I, that just that wouldn't dawn on me. I said, because what that's going to do is it's going to uh, engage that reticular activator, and that's all you're going to see. That's right. I said, that is not what my emphasis is. My emphasis is on looking for the wonderful things that Dan does that shows me that he loves me, even if he doesn't say it in words. I did a booklet for him years ago, 32, uh, 32nd anniversary, I think it was, where I it was called For This I Love You. And it had all these reasons why he, why I love him for showing me respect and love in a way that isn't just the words, not just saying it, but showing it to me in his everyday activities. And things like that start that reticular activator that that's the things that you start seeing. That's the things it, you do it. You can do this with your children. I mean, I encourage you right now, sit down and start writing out things that you see that just amaze you about your children who are at home right now, or your spouse who are, is, is having some fearful moments too. do these things. It will it will make you think uh, much more positively about that person, and it will bring a lot of things to light that you might take for granted otherwise. All right. One of the things, and you mentioned it in there, one of the things that we share often when people ask about our long-term, our 50, now 52-year marriage, you know, how is that possible, especially living with an entrepreneur where things are never predictable and having two very different personalities which often is a reason for destroying a relationship, given as a reason at least. And one of the things that we we talk about a lot is respect, just simple respect. And that continues, even though our kids are grown and gone, but that's still a real core component. I mean, we don't think about it, it's just a natural kind of thing, but just showing courtesy and respect to each other. Sometimes just the familiarity of living together day in and day out seems to be an excuse for a lot of people to just be 
whoever I want, whoever I really am, and they can, your spouse can like it or dislike it, but that, that it's their problem and not your problem. And Dan has never done that. And I've never done that with him. If we go out to eat, which we're not doing a whole lot of right now, obviously, but uh, if we do, when we get home, I thank him for that because he went out of his way to take me out to dinner and feed me so that I didn't have to do any work at home. I love that about him. It's just simple things like that. Start looking for things like that, that you can do to show respect to your spouse and to your children. Don't think it's just for the adults. It's also for the children. I think that's why we have three leaders in our uh, our own children, leaders in this country who are doing a lot of amazing things uh, and, and having great marriages and uh, awesome children. It's because they've learned respect right from the beginning. It starts right at the beginning in your own home. Well, and even simple things that may seem even antiquated today, like opening a door for you when we come out of our house. You know, I go around to the other side of the car and open the door for you. Well, it may seem, golly, I don't know, chauvinistic or something. No, it's not. You know, the women's <laughs> lip got a little bit out of line in some of that. Th- that well, I do enjoy being treated like a lady. And our, our sons saw that, and thus they were highly sought after <laughs> for courting in there, even when they were young, because women and girls were so unused to being treated with that kind of respect and courtesy. Well, hey, a couple other things here. You know, so we want to talk about, I want to just make sure we cover some of these points that, that we are going to show here as a summary. Recognize security is not just in the bank. I mean, you, you in this period of time where things are really unstable, how many times have you asked me about our income or money in the bank? Um, I don't think there's been any. <laughs> <laughs> there, there hasn't. Yeah, that that hasn't. You know, your your security is not tied up in. Gee, what did we bring in this week? How many books did we sell? How many courses did we sell? Or whatever. No, it's it's in knowing who I am and in the relationship that we have. And so that's not been the topic. We've not been immersed in statistics that are on TV or even in the statistics in terms of our own household. Now. You know, so it, it security comes from years of being together, trusting each other, respecting each other, not just from money in the bank. Show respect. That's a big issue. We talked about that. Value personality differences. We encourage people right now to develop a family mission statement. This is a time when you're home. Now, everybody's used to having a, a, a business mission statement. You may even have a personal mission statement. A lot of people have done that. But we encourage people to have a family mission statement where you decide together, what is your family all about? We did that many years ago. And, and when I, what I did was I found something in the, um, uh, I believe it was a Reader's Digest, a Reader's Digest magazine. Yeah. Yes, I think I still have it. Uh, from many years ago, 1990, uh, that a uh, lady had posted in her home, and she was a lady who uh, wanted her house to be a safe place for the neighborhood children because her neighborhood was not very safe at the time. This was back in 1990. And I copied that and wrote it out in, uh, on a piece of paper and stuck it in the bathroom. Great place to put something that you want your kids to memorize. 
And what we did, we talked about it. We talked about our desire to have a mission statement. How can we define what we're all about? And we looked at a lot of different things. We worked together as a family mm-hmm. and finally came up and adapted this. And Joanne will read it to you. In a safe place, people are kind. Sarcasm, fighting, backbiting, and name-calling are exceptions. Kindness, consideration, and forgiveness are the way of life. In a safe place, there's laughter. Not just the canned laughter of television, but real laughter that comes from sharing meaningful work and play. In a safe place, there are rules, but the rules are few and fair and are made by the people who live and work there, including the children. In a safe place, people listen to one another. They care about one another, and they show that they do. Please, God, make this a safe place. This is something that was very important to our family. Uh, we And the kids had it memorized. We talked about it often. And it left us in a position of not being the bad guys when something happened with our kids misbehaving or something. It would be really easy for us to just say, well, how did that line up with our mission statement? And they knew immediately what to think about. They knew that they were responsible for what they had done. And it what didn't put us in a bad light. It made them really think about their behavior. Yeah, if they did something, you know, mean to each other or whatever, we would not have to reprimand that for them for that. We'd simply take them back to our mission statement. Now, look, this is something we agreed on. Yes, we agreed on a family. And is what you just did? Did that affirm our mission statement, or did it violate it? So our, our kids do that. I mean, having it in a very prominent place, I mean, they could memorize it. Our kids could probably still recite it today. But yeah, develop a family mission statement so that you really identify, you know, we're a unit together. We're a family together. What do we stand for? What do we want to be known for in the same way that you would do a business mission statement? Another thing that we encourage you to do, and we'll kind of wrap up with this, is to build special traditions do things where your kids are going to remember it, where you and your spouse are going to remember it. Build special traditions. Joanne and I have had date night since we got married. Friday nights are date night. While our kids were small, they were always excited about it because they knew they were going to have a babysitter and we were going to go out. They knew it was a special time for us to get dressed up and go out. Well, today we could have date night any night of the week. We still honor Friday night as date night. There's just something special about anticipating that. Joanne's like a 16-year-old on Fridays. You know, we end the day with massages and then we go out to dinner and we always do something special. And it's up to me to plan something special for that. But it's part of our history and it's part of something I'm confident we'll continue doing it for years and years to come. And the thing that makes that really special is that it's on your calendar And if somebody asks you to do something else on a Friday night, which comes up often, it does. Very rarely do you accept that because you have a prior engagement. And that's exactly what I say. If somebody is coming into town, a client is coming into town, they want to meet or there's a board meeting or whatever. I simply look at my schedule and say, I'm sorry, I already have a commitment. 
It's sacred time. Absolutely. It is. And then there are other things that we've done, just fun things that we've done over the years. Like our people know that we go to Chicago every year right before Christmas, your birthday being the 22nd of December. Wasn't celebrated much as a little girl who's going to celebrate a birthday three days before Christmas. But I've always tried to make a big deal out of that. And so I discovered years ago in speaking at a couple conferences how much you really loved the magical time of right before Christmas in Chicago, the lights, the trolleys and all that, the big stores decorated in the windows. So we've been going to Chicago for a few days, the week of, typically the week of Christmas, right before Christmas. And we've been doing that now for, I think about 32 years as Mm -hmm. we, we haven't, yeah, as much as we can recall. And that's just something we do. Flights are cheap. Hotels are cheap. Nobody's doing conferences right before Christmas, so it's not an expensive thing, but we've been doing that, again, through thick and thin. I mean, we've done that even when times were were rough because we value that as a priority to create those special memories and have traditions that we do together. And it might be worthy to note that going to Chicago in December is really relatively cheap. Flights used to be majorly cheap, and I think they they still are, especially right now, and will be after all of this uh, confined time that we're having right now. But flights were cheap, are cheap, and uh, so are hotel. You can get an amazing four star hotel really inexpensively in Chicago during that time because it's not the time when people typically head to Chicago. We use a booking service for that. And uh, they scout out what's available. So we've had some really fun times in uh, very, very cool places as part of our Chicago trips. And then we play a lot of games. Now, this is a time uh, right now you know, where people may think, well, golly, you know, at our age and um, all the years of being together, there's probably nothing new that we do. We play games every single day. Let me point out something, too, that I, I, I mentioned to you this morning. When we're playing games, or if we were in a race, then we're in competition. Trust me, I'm competing with you. But in our lives, we are in collaboration. I think that's an important thing to remember right now. We are a team, and we're all needing to be on the same page. When you're in the home, in a family situation, then you are a team, and you work together in collaboration. You are not in competition. But trust me, we're playing a game. I'm out to win. There you go. And some of the games we play are, I mean, you always have a deck of cards. In well, your there's purse. always a deck of cards in my purse. And we have multiple games we play with one deck of cards. Yes. We have a form of euchre that we play. Ver- we play. Uh, various forms of uh, rummy mm-hmm. and, uh, and other games. I even like poker. Two to 14. So we always have that. But then we have other games that we play as well. We play Ticket to Ride. Sequence. Sequence. Uh, rummy Cube. Uh, Otrio. Yes, there's a lot of them. There's so <laughs> and many. We have, we have stacks of games. So every night when we sit down for dinner, we pull out games. So it's not just dead time. It's not looking at our phones. Or the TV. It's not, it's not watching TV. TV is never on when we're eating meals together. Um, we're but of course, games. we don't eat our meals until after Wheel of Fortune. That's true. We do. We do, we do we have to Wheel watch of Wheel of Fortune. Fortune every day. We do. We do. Well, let's get That's a, tradition. 
we're going to kind of wrap up with that. Again, we're going to give you some links to some resources here. Now, one of those, and we really didn't talk about this much, is your book. When did you write Creating a Haven of Peace? That was back in, oh my, let me see. I've got to look here in the front of it. I can't even remember for sure what year that was. 2016. 2016. So it was four years ago you wrote that. I think it's important to note that the subtitle on Creating a Haven of Peace is When You're Feeling Down, Finances Are Flat, and Tempers Are Rising. I think it kind of fits the times. What do you think? I think it does, indeed. Again, one of those things that was not written for this time, but certainly applicable. And remember that every time that you're in some kind of an argument and your temper is flaring, what is your goal? What is the goal? What are you really wanting to achieve in your home, in your life, in your marriage, and for your children? There you go. Absolutely. So you can you can find that course on Amazon, Creating a Haven of Peace, or go to 48days.com. And we'll put a link in our show notes to that as well. Put a link as well to the Scary Time Success Manual, and then also to Joanne's beautiful overlay of how do you create a sense of peace using sight, touch, smell, sound, and taste. Beautifully done and just tips on all of those to create a sense of peace. And you can you can find that. Just go to 48days.com slash peace to find that. Well, I think that's enough to kind of wrap this up. Hope this has been helpful for you. We've got some marvelous interviews coming up and content that has to do with business, but this is not a time for business as usual. It's rather a time to circle the wagons coming together, recognize again that these tips we talked about, recognize security is not just money in the bank. This is a time to show respect, value personality differences, develop a family mission statement, build special traditions, and keep in mind this quotation that we used at the beginning as our quote for today from Barbara Bush. And it's very important. And uh, I think everybody needs to really, really copy this, put it on the refrigerator. You must read to your children, and you must hug your children, and you must love your children. Your success as a family, our success as a society, depends not on what happens in the White House, but on what happens inside your house. Thank you, Barbara Bush. All right, and thank you, Joanne Miller, for being my guest today here on the 48 Days Radio. And thanks to you who are listening. I hope this has been encouraging. This is a, a, a season We'll get through this. There's light on the other side. Use it as a time to continue to be a bigger and better person, not just to hunker down, but to grow, to learn, nurture relationships during this period of time. And as always, as you know, thanks for being part of this community where we know we can find or create. And now more than ever, we might be able to create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. 